This is a Squiz Kids podcast. Your fresh take on what's happening in the world around you. They started out as a way to scare mountain men. They cost Disney $50 million a year to put on, but if you live in the Northern Territory, you can set them off yourself. This is your Squiz Kids shortcut to fireworks, the podcast where we dive into the who, what, when, where, why and how of the big news stories. I'm Amanda Bauer. And I'm Bryce Corbett. Bryce, the year is almost over. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? Me struggling to stay awake until midnight so I can watch <laughs> the New Year's Eve fireworks. Oh, yes. Today, we'll take you through how fireworks work, where you can see some of the biggest and best fireworks in the world, and why Krakenite is controversial. Listen carefully, there's a squiz at the end. How? Bryce, the very first fireworks were invented by accident way back in around 200 BC. Chinese scholars actually used to write on green bamboo stalks Mm -hmm. and then they'd lay them on warm coal to dry. Right. But if they left them on the fire too long... They exploded. Wow. And the first firecrackers were born. Oh, wow. Now, you've got to remember that this was a long time before guns came along. Mm -hmm. So that bang was really scary. Mm -hmm. And according to Scientific American, the scholars noticed that the noises scared away some threatening men who lived in the mountains. And over time, the Chinese also believed that the firecrackers scared away bad spirits. Bamboo, eh? Who knew? I always thought that fireworks involved gunpowder, though. Well, they definitely do, but that didn't start until sometime in the 7th century, when some Chinese chemists, or alchemists as Mm. they were called back then, were trying to create a potion for immortality. Meaning that if you swallowed the elixir they made, you'd live forever. Awesome. The first ingredient they used was something called saltpetre or potassium nitrate, which nowadays we use mostly as a plant fertiliser. Ingredient number two was charcoal, which does not sound very delicious to drink. No, not pleasant at all. And ingredient number three was sulphur, a tasteless, brittle, yellow-coloured chemical that we now know is one of the most reactive elements on the periodic table, Mm -hmm. meaning that if you combine sulphur with other chemicals, a reaction is likely to happen. So, Bryce, in terms of the actual chemistry... Oh, yeah, I love chemistry. Gunpowder is really pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So individually, potassium nitrate or Mm saltpetre and sulphur and charcoal all burn really well, but each of them has its own strength. Okay. So sulphur ignites at a very low temperature. So think about matchsticks, which are made with Mm sulphur, and you only need a small spark for them to burn. Charcoal provides a massive amount of fuel. Mm -hmm. So if you think about how long a coal barbecue will stay hot for, it'll burn for a long time. And when potassium nitrate or saltpetre is burned, it releases oxygen, which means the fire will keep burning faster and faster Mm -hmm. because fire is fed by oxygen. So if you add them all together, you get a fast, powerful fire, which only takes a spark to ignite and kaboom. Wow. So the fire is so fast that the gunpowder doesn't just 
burn, it explodes. And so I'm guessing with that concoction, the Chinese chemists never did discover the secret to eternal life? No, but they did invent history's first chemical explosive. Okay. They called it Huo Yao, mm -hmm. which means fire drug, right. and they started stuffing it into those bamboo tubes they were using for firecrackers to make a kind of sparkler. So gunpowder was used for fireworks first and guns second. Yep, that's exactly Exactly right. Wow. It didn't take long for the Chinese military to realise the potential of stuff that goes bang. Mm -hmm. They started out by attaching those bamboo sparklers to arrows and raining them down on their enemies. Ouch. Whoa. But today we're just going to focus on the fun use of gunpowder mm -hmm. in fireworks. Yep. It was the Italians who took them to the next level. They introduced colours and ways of launching the firecrackers into the air. Oh yeah, how do you get different colours? Well, once again, it's all about chemistry. Yeah. Basically, you add other elements to the gunpowder to create different effects. Okay. So I'll put a list in your episode notes, but barium produces green, mm. copper produces blue, right. strontium for red, strontium. and something called zirconium okay. burns super brightly and is used in those amazing waterfall fireworks. Oh, yeah. I look forward every New Year's Eve to watching those waterfalls come off the Sydney Harbour Bridge and elsewhere around Australia. Mm -hmm. Now, but where in the world can you see the most impressive fireworks displays, Amanda? Where? Bryce, China still makes about 90% of the world's fireworks. Wow. So not surprisingly, they're pretty good at putting on a fireworks show. Sure. I've put a link in your episode notes to an anniversary celebration from Beijing that is pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. Since 1922, Australia has actually had its own firework manufacturers. They were started by an engineer at a steelworks in Newcastle. He loved the sparks and the colours of metalwork yeah. and he decided to follow his passion for fireworks. Right. At the beginning, he just imported them from England, mm -hmm. but they often arrived off the boat a bit soggy and <laughs> ruined, ah. so he started making his own. Yeah. And when the Harbour Bridge opened in Sydney, his fireworks were used for the celebrations. Ah, of course. Sydney's New Year's Eve fireworks are some of the best known in the world. Mm -hmm. Is New Year's Eve the most common time for fireworks, Amanda? Yep, it sure is. So the Guinness Book of Records title for the biggest ever fireworks display was set on New Year's Eve 2016 in the Philippines mm -hmm. when the Iglesia Ni Cristo, or the Church of Christ, put on a display that lasted for, wait for it, one hour, one minute and 32.35 <laughs> seconds. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm guessing there must be some pretty amazing video of that. Uh, well, sadly, no, it's not so hot. It actually poured with rain the whole oh, no. way through that display. You know what does have amazing videos, though, yep. are the New Year's Eve celebrations in Ras al Khaimah. Now, that's one of the emirates that yep. makes up the United Arab Emirates. Uh -huh. Ras al Khaimah holds multiple world records for fireworks, including one for the longest waterfall, which spread out for more than 3.7 kilometres along the waterfront. Wow. And the tallest tower of fireworks uh -huh. that reached more than one kilometre high up into the air. Wow. But, Bryce, I want you to guess, who do you think spends the most money on fireworks every year? Hmm. Um, you want a clue? Yeah, give me a clue. 
All right. Its slogan is that it's the happiest place on earth. Ah, that would be our office. (laughs) No, uh, Disneyland, of course. Now, don't they have fireworks every single night at every single park around the world? Now you've made me wanting fireworks at our office. Apparently, Disney forks out more than 50 million American dollars a year for fireworks, quite a bit more than the stories that my parents told me about saving up their pocket money for Cracker Night. Right, of course, Cracker Night. They still have it, of course, in the Northern Territory and in Tassie, but every other state in Australia has banned people from buying and setting off their own fireworks. So why, Amanda, is Cracker Night so controversial? Why? For any Aussie kid in the 1950s, 60s and 70s, Cracker Night was about as exciting as your birthday and Christmas. Yeah. For one day only in Australia, people were allowed to buy and then set off their own fireworks, which, as you can imagine, was extremely fun but also pretty dangerous. Yeah, no, that's true, that's true. By the late 1980s, Cracker Night was banned by every state and territory other than Tasmania and the Northern Territory in an attempt to eliminate accidents injuries and destruction of property. But every July 1st, which is Territory Day in the Northern Territory, people are allowed to buy fireworks with names like Bad Neighbour and Nuclear (laughs) Havoc between 9am and 9pm. And they're only allowed to fire them off between 6 and 11pm. All right, and I have to ask, do people get hurt? Yeah, well, a few years ago, Cracker Night led to 27 injuries, 770 triple O calls and 679 grass fires. What? Yep. And in Tasmania, of course, where Cracker Night is held in May, the government has asked people this year to join forces to have a neighbourhood fireworks instead of lots of little individual ones to minimise the effect on animals and wildlife. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love fireworks, but my dog hates them. Oh, yeah. Louis cringes and hides under the nearest bed. (laughs) Time for the Quiz. This is the part of the podcast where you get to test how well you've been listening. Question number one. Which country makes 90% of the world's fireworks? Yeah, that's right. It's China. Question number two. Name one of the ingredients of gunpowder. And bonus points if you get all three. Pat yourselves on the back if you got charcoal sulfur and potassium nitrate or saltpeter. Question number three. What's the name of the day in the Northern Territory and Tasmania when people are allowed to set off their own fireworks? Yeah, that's right. It's Cracker Night. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us as we explored the who, what, how, where, when and why of fireworks. Now get out there and have a most excellent Happy New Year. And to you too, Amanda. Happy New Year, Squiz Kids and Bryce. Over and out. These episodes are edited and engineered by Carter Quinn. We are guessing that you're feeling a whole lot more knowledgeable after diving into that Squiz Kids shortcut. Don't forget, every Monday all through the holidays, we'll dive into the who, what, when, where, why and how of another big topic. 
Then on Wednesdays, the Squiz Kids Superfast Supersonic Jetliner will take off to explore a new country every week along with its culture. And on Saturdays, Bryce will be challenging you and your grown-ups to a kids versus adults quiz on a different topic every week. And all of this amazing content is absolutely free. It's our little gift to you this festive season. And if you just can't get enough, don't forget about Newshounds, our brand new media literacy program for primary school kids. Your chance to join Squizzy the Newshound as he sniffs out the truth on the internet. If you're keen to know more, head to www.squizkids.com.au. And of course, if this is the first time you've come across us, Squiz Kids Today is a free daily news podcast during the school term, a kid-friendly take on the big news headlines, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, squizkids.com.au.